New guidance from the CDC and a momentous announcement on masks. We'll talk about the Indiana impact and the looming questions for health officials. Plus controversy in Congress with the GOP ousting Liz Cheney from leadership. We'll hear from Indiana Senator Mike Braun, Congressman Andre Carson, and Attorney General Todd Rokita. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. And good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. A big step this week in the path out of this pandemic. The CDC says the vaccines are working so well they no longer recommend masks for vaccinated Americans, even indoors. So what will this mean here in Indiana and across the country? Rashad Hudson has more from our Washington Bureau. Well, today is a great day for America in our long battle with coronavirus. President Biden applauded the American people for their sacrifice and hard work to reach this point in fighting back the pandemic. You've endured so much and so many lost jobs, so many businesses lost. But the news doesn't mean the pandemic is over. It's as great as this announcement is today, we don't want to let up. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says this is a step toward normalcy. You can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. We have all longed for this moment. The CDC stopped short of allowing fully vaccinated people to ditch their mask when they're traveling by plane, public transportation, or in some other setting. And um, we have uh, you know, work ahead of us in terms of updating our guidance with regard to all other settings, as you know, schools and camps. President Biden continued his calls for unvaccinated Americans to get the shot or continue to mask up. And that was Rashad Hudson reporting. Meantime, here at home, Indianapolis Council Minority Leader Brian Mowry putting pressure on Indy to drop its mask mandate, saying the science is clear and irrefutable. Vaccines work. He says Mayor Hogsett and the Democratic-controlled council's decision to allow the county health department to ignore the CDC and continue outdated restrictions is a baffling anti-science decision, in his words. Now, this new guidance came just a few days after state lawmakers overrode another veto from Governor Holcomb and in the process briefly invalidated several locally imposed health restrictions and mask mandates. Kayla Sullivan has more on that from the State House. Lawmakers technically had until the end of next session in 2022 to override this governor's veto, but the Republican majority decided to address it now. Those opposed wish they would have waited so they might be able to come up with a compromise. There's sometimes you have to make these decisions within hours. Those against Senate Enrolled Act 5 argue the law will delay important health orders, and that could potentially cause an increase in death or sickness during an emergency like the COVID-19 pandemic. It would add an extra layer of bureaucracy I think uh, for all of us. However, the majority of lawmakers who voted for this veto override say local elected leaders need a guaranteed say in the process and Hoosiers need a way to appeal health orders that impact them. Senate Enrolled Act 5 serves as that critical check and balance and ensures that local government, the government closest to the people, plays a central role in shaping the policies that affect the life of our communities and the livelihood of Hoosiers. UND political science professor Laura Wilson says she isn't surprised by this veto. People in Indiana have been outspoken about the issue. These are conversations people have. Who should have control over mask mandates? Who could, should have control over these decisions? 
state, local, who in local government. Marion County Health Department Director Dr. Virginia Kane was hoping lawmakers wouldn't have voted against the governor's veto, not just because she thinks it's dangerous, but because she thinks with more time there could be a better law with compromise. I just think it would create a greater opportunity for us to continue to have this dialogue and maybe we can highlight and put into place some things that will make all of us very comfortable about. Dr. Kane says there is more room for transparency and communication in this process, but she doesn't believe this law was the answer. Reporting from the State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, Kayla, thanks. Meantime, as state and local governments continue to sort out the implications of this new CDC guideline, it's still creating a lot of questions for businesses, especially local restaurants. Justin Kolar takes a closer look at the Indiana impact. It's going to be on the customer's responsibility to choose whether or not uh, they're choosing to wear a mask. Uh, there will be no questioning of customers at all. Employees, on the other hand. Most restaurants you go to, uh, their employees are still required to wear a mask, uh, which I completely get it. You want to make sure that all of the customers uh, feel safe in that dining environment. Though the CDC says masks are no longer required for vaccinated Americans, in Indiana, counties have the final say. We want our customers to feel safe when they're coming in, um, so we feel like it's the right thing to do, to, even though the mask mandate is up in Hamilton County. Just a county away, Marion County's mandate, like their masks, are still on. A lot of people are like, wow, you guys are still wearing masks. I didn't know that uh, we had to wear them. So it puts... It puts the operators and the employees of businesses in tricky positions at times. Which is why restaurants are asking for your grace and some patience while they work through this new announcement. Just having some uh, additional courtesy for Hoosiers. Just have, have some common sense. There's no need to, to go crazy uh, over the situation, whether it's one way or the other. And common sense will get us to the place where we want to be, which is back to normal. All right, that was Justin Kola reporting. We're getting more reaction to this week's news from the CDC. Friday, I spoke with Indiana Congressman Andre Carson. Uh, first, I want to get your reaction to this new guidance from the CDC. The president speaking about it Thursday in the Rose Garden. What does this moment mean for our country, in your view? And do you think Indianapolis, cities like Indianapolis, should drop their mask mandates as a result? Well, I think this is very welcome news. Um, you know, thanks to life-saving vaccines, uh, we are slowly but surely uh, getting back to some semblance of normalcy. Uh, obviously, we're not out of the woods, uh, but it's clear we're making progress. And, you know, I hope that this guidance encourages people to get vaccinated if they haven't already. Um, I think the vaccine is the best tool we have to protect people and continue reopening. Should it impact uh, the decisions when it comes to local mask mandates, do you feel? Well, you know, I, I, I'd like to think so. I mean, I know that uh, each executive um, has the discretion to make the decision that impacts Hoosiers uh, in their minds the best way. But uh, I'd like to think that uh, the announcement from the White House will set a precedence, hopefully for Hoosiers. Republicans removed Liz Cheney from her leadership role this mm -hmm. week for, for not going along with the former president's uh, statements about the 2020 election. And all this as the conversation continues there in Congress on election reforms being put forth now by Democrats. Where's that debate headed and, and can it get through the Senate? Well, you know, I, I've had some political, just philosophical disagreements with Representative Cheney on many things, but I really admire her courage on this. Uh, I'm very disappointed that 
Republicans are punishing her for simply telling the truth. You know, I think that a better question to my Republican colleagues for me is, why do they continue to embrace Donald Trump's delusions and legitimize a lie that has led to deadly violence uh, like the insurrection at the Capitol? Congressman Andre Carson there. On this same topic, earlier in the week, our D.C. Bureau caught up with Indiana Senator Mike Braun. I think that it was untenable to have Liz Cheney there when that does not reflect the large majority of the point of view there. Uh, when it comes to as a party, uh, I think Republicans have got to be careful that we need every uh, live, warm body to be a member of the party. I've been one that says that we need to do better at engaging growing demographics, especially young people. I think this is just a spat in the moment that we'll get through, and I'm a believer that we need to have a big tent and do a better job articulating our point of view. That's a political issue you're talking about. I think you're defining it in that nature, and I'm not going to go there because I don't think that's the topic. The topic would be on the big issues of the day, not how you might like or dislike President Trump or Liz Cheney. It's about us doing better as a party in terms of articulating where we as conservatives, as Republicans, are going to be on the issues of the day. Senator Mike Braun there, the GOP continuing to grapple with these questions about the 2020 election. We also heard this week from Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita, who spoke about the legislation Democrats have introduced in Congress on election reform with Kelly Meyer from our Washington Bureau. I used to be uh, the chief election officer of the state of Indiana, the secretary of state. And I will say this, the sun won't set in Indiana before we sue if this ever becomes law. Because it is so fundamentally unfair, it is so fundamentally repugnant to the principles in our Constitution uh, that I think many states will sue. We can't have this. The Constitution specifically calls for the states and state legislators uh, to decide and, and, and articulate the manner of elections. And there's good reason for that. Do you think the election was stolen? We don't know. It's impossible to know. There is a lot of distrust. It's warranted because there was a lot of things that were changed at the last minute across various states. All right, a lot to unpack there. We'll talk about that with our panel. Plus, a busy weekend at IMS with the Grand Prix kicking off the month of May. What about the health plan for the 500 and the impact of this new guidance from the CDC? Plus, Ohio's governor offering millions in incentives for people to get the vaccine with a vaccination lottery. So should Indiana try something similar? We'll talk with our panel about it next. All right, time to bring in our panel right now. Laura Beck, Mike Murphy, Adam Wren, and Abdul Hakeem Shabazz from IndiePolitics.org. Abdul, I'll start with you. Quite a week here for local health officials, right? First, the news Monday that could have invalidated some local health guidelines if they weren't ratified by elected officials, which the council went ahead did and did Monday night. And then Thursday, this new guidance from the CDC putting some pressure, perhaps, on those local health departments to possibly revisit those mask mandates all in the span of a, a few days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's been a, a, literally a whirlwind of activity uh, in the COVID-19 universe. Uh, what I think is most interesting, though, is where do we go from here? What did Dr. Kane, you know, what did the mayor, uh, what did the city county council decide to do? Uh, do they lift the mask mandate altogether or do they just go by CDC guidelines saying, hey, if you've got, the, if you have the vaccine, 
you're, you're good to go. But then again, now comes the question, how do you prove or demonstrate you had the vaccine? Do you take your card with you? Because we, we don't do necessarily do vaccine passports uh, here in the state of Indiana. So I think what's next is going to be even more interesting than what we saw this past week. All of this is pretty complicated for businesses, for workplaces, no doubt. Let's turn to Democratic strategist Laura Beck here. What about the Indy 500? We heard from Doug Bowles Friday. He said masks will still be required at IMS with the county mandate. We did see the state roll back its mask mandate the day after the final four. Do you think the city of Indianapolis might take a, a similar approach maybe after the Indy 500? Well, I think that's a great question, Dan. Um, and I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but um, I certainly do have faith in Dr. Kane. Um, she has served uh, in a bipartisan way a number of different uh, different mayoral administrations. Um, she's done it in a, in a terrific way. Um, one of the key parts, too, I think, especially as we're looking at, um, and going back what to Abdul said, especially as, as we're looking at the vaccination rates, um, Marion County's vaccine rate is not that incredibly high. And so if you're gonna really try and get to that quote unquote herd immunity or even get to a place where we're close to it, um, we've got to boost up those vaccinations. So it seems like we've got a great window to get more folks vaccinated, especially now that we're dropping down into that uh, 13-year-old plus group or 12-year-old plus group, um, but we still are missing some key populations. So that's really going to take a community effort to get that done so we can get back to some semblance of normality. Let's go to former lawmaker Mike Murphy. Mike, what do you make of this new guidance and, and will it serve as a strong incentive for people to go out and get vaccinated? Well, first of all, I think we need more incentives. I love the Governor DeWine uh, ploy this week. I think it's clever. Um, God bless him. I hope it works. Um, but when it comes to Indiana, I, I think that you, we're still all over the map, you know, despite what the, the state policy has been. In Marion County, for example, unless there's been some transfer of authority I'm not aware of, it's actually the county commissioners who have to decide this, not the city council. And so that would be the assessor, the treasurer, and the auditor. And I'll, I'll go back and check, but I don't think the county commissioners gave away their authority. Yeah, over with county Unigov, business, probably even more complications council. there with Unigov and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, they kept the county commissioners yeah. because they didn't want to have to do a constitutional amendment to get rid of them in just one county. County commissioners have been tackling this question in other counties. Uh, let's bring in uh, insiders Adam Wren. Uh, Adam, what about this incentive being offered in uh, in our native Ohio here, literally giving a million bucks uh, to a handful of vaccinated people? Should should Indiana do more to incentivize uh, those who are still hesitant, whatever you make of this particular plan uh, in the Buckeye state? Yeah, Indiana has a tradition um, as a policy, the General Assembly particularly as a policy-making body, of liking to incent people to do things rather than punish them for not doing things. So it seems like a logical fit here. The big question for me is, how do you get Hoosiers to, to take the vaccine and, and what is a good reward for that? Is it a free ticket to the state fair? Is it a tenderloin of their choice from a fine establishment of their choosing around the state? Uh, is it an admission to the Indy 500? I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting question to think about. What what would bring Hoosiers together uh, to get a vaccine? But I, I'm surprised that uh, Governor Holcomb hasn't um, you know taken a step in this direction. Uh, although he is kind of a week or two behind Mike DeWine and has been throughout the pandemic, kind of following him, um, stalking him in terms of similar coronavirus proposals. So we could still see that yet. It's been an interesting reaction to Governor DeWine. Uh, he's uh, obviously a lot of people uh, raise their eyebrows, kind of a bold approach, but some have criticized him, too, for using uh, that particular money from uh, the relief funds for this purpose. Also want to talk about the future of the GOP today and the situation uh, in, in Congress with Republicans ousting 
Liz Cheney for her leadership role. Abdul, what, what does this say about the hold that former President Trump still has over the Republican Party? Well, like I said, uh, some days I think uh, Donald Trump's relationship with the Republican Party, at least at the national level, is like the old David Koresh uh, comment people under the sink. It's almost like a cult uh, to a certain degree that you can't say one thing bad about your leader. Next thing you know, you're, you're out of here. And I, and I really do think Republicans have to do some soul search because they cannot win with just Trump voters. It is statistically impossible them to win with just Trump voters. And so they're going to have to get their act together uh, relatively fast, relatively quick, because 2022 will be here. And the next thing you know, 2024 is here. Laura, you heard the interviews earlier with uh, with Senator Braun, Congressman Carson, and A.G. Todd Rokita. Uh, what do you make of their reaction to this? Uh, Rokita also uh, continuing to say when it comes to the election, he was asked, was it stolen? And he said, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can't even really with Todd Rokita anymore. I mean, it, I, I just do my best to sort of just roll my eyes and move on because I, I just can't. Um, uh, I, I will have to say that this is the first time I've ever been on a program with Abdul when he references David Koresh and a cult leader. So this is this is breaking new ground this morning. Um, but but when we when we look at, you know, I, I thought what Mike Braun said was really telling um, because he's talking about how we really need to work on getting our message out and really telling people what we stand for. Well, you stand for the party of Donald Trump. Um, and that's not really a great message when you're trying to win over young people or swing voters. So they do really have some soul searching to do. I mean, Democrats were certainly not perfect and, and by any means. Um, but at the same time, uh, the more they spend fighting with each other, and we all know this because we've all worked in this business, but the more you spend fighting with each other, the less time you spend fighting the people who you really need to be fighting. Um, so I I think it's just a distraction. I think it just ties them uh, more, just tethers them to Donald Trump. And uh, I mean, who knows what Donald Trump's doing? Maybe he and Todd Rukita are looking for missing votes somewhere. I have no idea. Mike, how does your party navigate all of this? Well, it's tough. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the 1840s, frankly, when the when the Whigs threw Tyler out and then the Democrats threw Polk out. And that was the end of the Whig party in a very few years. So it, they have to be very careful uh, what they do. It looks to me like the Republicans now have their own version of the cancel culture. They may not want to label it that way, but if you say the wrong thing in the Republican Party, you are canceled. You're politically dead forever. This is what happened to Liz Cheney. Adam, you know, we're talking about Todd Rokita here. Uh, the attorney general hasn't given a, a lot of interviews locally here on his legal battle with the governor last couple of weeks, his office has told us he's not been available. He did have time for this this national interview that we showed you a clip of uh, with our Washington bureau. Certainly, he has been weighing in on a lot of uh, national issues that that may or may not have much to do with Indiana. Yeah, that's right, uh, Dan. Um, you know, he was up in Gary uh, recently uh, talking about economic development, which uh, I'm not quite certain is the purview of the attorney general. Um, so clearly, uh, he has his sights. Uh, on higher office. Um, and of course, AG does stand for almost governor. So he's trying to turn that almost into uh, about, I think. Um, so it's it's really interesting to watch him operate. I haven't been able to get an interview with him um, either. Um, so it's a, it's you know difficult to, to cover uh, politicians uh, fairly and critically uh, when, when they don't uh, assent to, to interviews with local uh, press. All right, coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll hear again from our panel for winners and losers, plus honoring our graduates who've had to endure so much these last two years. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Nine graduation ceremonies in 10 days at IU with more than 24,000 degrees handed out. This time of year, other local universities also honoring graduates from this year and from last year when commencement ceremonies had to be canceled. As we enter the home stretch of this pandemic, doubtless the most extreme adversity that you young students have had so far in your lives, I want to ask you this. How has the pandemic changed you? Profound question there and a pretty familiar topic in a lot of commencement addresses all around the country this week. Stick around. We're back to wrap things up with this week's winners and losers next. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Mike, I'll start with you. Well, my winner has to be Liz Cheney. She uh, demonstrated outstanding courage and character in her speech this week. And my loser has to be Kevin McCarthy because he proved that Donald Trump can order the political execution of anybody in America from Mar-a-Lago. Laura? Uh, my winner uh, it are basically Hoosier kids because they can start getting um, vaccinated and they can get the sense of their normality and their lives back. Uh, my loser this week are the House Republicans for all of the reasons that we mentioned earlier. Abdul. Uh, my winners this week are everyone uh, across the country who's graduating uh, so far this yeah. year. They do a lot of virtual learning, lots of obstacles, lots of challenges. I teach uh, part-time for UND and Ivy Tech. So very proud of those folks yeah. who graduated so far this year. Uh, my big loser, uh, unfortunately, city of Indianapolis. Uh, we had more, record, more, more homicides this week, uh, which puts us on a path for another record year. And that does not count the three mass shootings that we had so far this year either. Continues to be a big issue in the city. Adam, you get the last word. Only losers this week, Dan, and uh, those are members of the Indiana GOP who continue to deny uh, election results, or at least not be forthright about re what really happened in, um, uh, on January 6th, uh, including you know, Representative Jim Banks, Representative Victoria Sparks, and of course, uh, Attorney General Todd Rokita. All right, our thanks to the panel, our thanks to you for joining us. Much more ahead on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation on the situation developing in the Middle East this weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.